Welcome back to another episode of the Psycho Podcast. I'm your host, Margot Underwood, and this is a place where I have the pleasure of interviewing specialists, authors, doctors, psychologists on the topics of human sexuality. This is a place where we break stigmas and bust hymens, deconstruct taboos, initiate more self-pleasure in our lives, expose alternative therapies to approach these sensitive topics. Thanks for joining me here. Today, we are joined by Jacqueline Stevens, a certified professional coach, a master in energy and a Reiki practitioner with a science of well-being from Yale. She calls herself an energy alchemist. And what she does is she has her own private practice that she calls a soulful alignment coaching practice. She is quite a beautiful human being, and today we get to go over topics like what it is to lead a value-led life and what that means in terms of true fulfillment. We also cover the difference between being performative and being authentic and offer some tools and strategies to create and cultivate more intimacy within ourselves. We also look at the differences between feminine and masculine energies and the benefits of having both and balancing both and what it is to make our mess our medicine. So I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, Jackie. Do you, Wait, hold on. Do you go by Jackie or Jacqueline? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, Jacqueline. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Margo. I'm honestly super excited to have this conversation. Me too. I'm excited to hear about your uh, energy practice and your coaching background. And um, hopefully our listeners will get some benefits from um, understanding these uh, these aspects that you draw in. So let's yeah. go ahead and uh, jump into a little bit about who you are. Cool. Want me to share? <laughs> <laughs> Or you could just stare at the camera and breathe heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my name's Jacqueline Stevens. Um, I am a, what I call a soulful alignment coach and energy alchemist. And I guess what that really means, kind of the core of what I do in the most simple terms is I help people get more intimate in their lives. And so when I say that, I mean um, intimate in who they are, what they want, what their desires, frustrations are, um, what they want in their work, what they are wanting in their relationships. Um, And yeah, so I work with people on intimacy, on breaking down the barriers to get a more intimate full, rich, juicy life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing with that, getting more intimate, it also requires us to develop some more structure in our life. Um, so it's also about building up um, and recognizing where our lack in boundaries is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do <laughs> lots and lots of work with boundaries Um with my clients as well. So I tend to work with people who have um, backgrounds that are really similar to mine. So they tend to come from a corporate background that's a little bit more structured, a little bit more linear. They're likely an overachiever. Um, So they're like, want to look good in all these aspects of their life. And they get to a point, whether it's in their work or in their relationships that they're just exhausted, right? They're, so they're just super depleted and they're looking for more and they really, they might not even know what more looks like. They just want to feel different than how they feel. And that's when I come in. <laughs> I love that. That's definitely something I can resonate with this. Like, I think setting the mention of setting boundaries is going to really help people not feel so depleted. 
you know, yeah. because you're like listening to what your body needs and, um, and then taking time out for yourself. So, yeah. but I want to hear more about, okay. You drop the words. So soulful alignment coach <laughs> and energy alchemist. I'm pretty sure those are the, one of the coolest, um, job titles I've ever come across. I recently was like, should I change my title to CEO and be chief energy officer? Because I thought that was pretty cool too. But we'll for now. And you kind of resonate with that um, corporate community. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. I love that though. So what does a, uh, what does your practice kind of entail? What are your offerings like? Yeah. So I work with people, um, on a couple of different levels, I work with primarily I work one-on-one -on -one with clients. I love doing um, just that deep, rich, emotional work with people, really guiding them through the process of a one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, and like I said, that's a more like for the, the person who wants um, a little bit more handholding, um, maybe they're a little bit newer to the work. And so that initial guidance can be a really transformative place for them. Mm -hmm. um, so one-on-one -on -one coaching, I also offer um, a group coaching setting. And so right now I have a women's group offering, um, but I continue to work with more and more men. And so I see that shifting in the future. And then I do um, something called the soul alignment blueprint, which is an energy assessment. So that is something that a person can do as an individual. I do that with couples or um, organizations, teams and organizations. And what that does is it, um, first of all, it helps the user, the client understand their emotional wirings on a very different, in a very different way. We tend to think of emotions as, um, less definable, right? And so this is an opportunity for someone to actually see on paper where you resonate, your emotional resonation on a daily basis when you're um, in a good day, when it's a good day, when you're in response to stress. And so what this shows people is really how, what your emotional pattern is. And so when you recognize what your emotional pattern is, you also can recognize what's holding you back in your life. Um, and so this is the introductory to that. And then the coaching that I do really helps people providing um, tools and support so that they get really clear on who the heck they are, <laughs> what the heck they want in their life, and how the hell they communicate it. Because that's the thing that I see most people struggle with is it's like once you recognize it, it's like, well, how do I how do I step into this energy? What does this look like for me? What does this new reality look and feel like for me? And so that's what I support them with. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like you're living your dream, first of all. Um, yeah. And yeah. then like you obviously saw a, um, a crack in the system that needed to be filled. And I'm curious how you came to um, seeing that crack and yeah. why you feel like the the filler that you offer is um, you know uh, significant to all of your clients like what makes this practice unique to all the others? Yeah, that's a beautiful question and I would I mean I would say <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is um, there's a quote that's um, when something's cracked, like when the light comes in, you know, and you can shed the light on the darkness, that's the thing that you turn into your medicine. So I would say I've turned my mess, like my own personal mess into my medicine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't this big marketing thing where I was like, what's the, what's the niche in the market that I need yeah. to do? It was just like my own miserable um, <laughs> my own miserable, uh, and I don't want to say miserable because I, I, I have lived a very privileged life, yeah. but miserable emotional experiences of working with, um, organizations or bosses or cult cultures or being in relationships that I felt like I 
needed to fix or I was a savior. I was the thing that needed to come in and fix all these things. And so when I really, um, I basically went through a bout of burnout that was so terrible that I just, I changed from it. I just, I had to leave the life that I had to create something that was new. And so um, through the last couple of years of um, not only of external learning, of practical learning, of theory and gaining certifications, but also through my own life misery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have I been able to put these two things together and create something that's um, so me and so magical. So it's been really cool. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people can resonate with that. And a lot of people want to resonate from that. It's just how do you get from point A to point B, you know, because sometimes you feel like you have to just leave everything behind to start anew. So yeah, how did you like, where did you come from to get to where you are now? And uh, yeah, what what did that path kind of look like? I... You know, that's such a good question. I would say, um, you know, I was working in um, an industry and I had been in a long-term relationship and I had really defined myself by both of those two things, by being in a relationship and being successful and being a director and um, whatever all of this stuff meant, quote, meant. But what it really meant was it meant something for somebody else. It meant society thought I was successful because I went to this school and I worked in San Francisco and I had these things. And so it was really about seeing what other people wanted. But I I, I got to this place where it was, and I'm sure people will resonate with this, but I something was like knocking on my insides. It was like, something's not right. You know, something's not right. Um, And I would even say to people, you don't have to leave your partner. You don't have to leave your life to create a life of more alignment. It's really one decision at a time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was just like making two big decisions, which was the first was I'm going to leave a relationship that um, is successful, is quote successful. It's functioning. You know, we're both happy of sorts. You know, we're both, quote, dedicated to this. Um, And leaving that was painful. But I also was like, I want more. So it was just making the decision of being like, is is what you're losing, um, like, what's the cost of that thing? And for me, it was just like, I needed that time and space for myself. It wasn't even about, I wanted to move into something else. It was just, I needed to heal that part of me. And so the last two years I've done that. And then with um, the job, it was the same thing. It was like, what, you know, what do you really want to do? How do you really want to serve people? Um, And I know you and I had talked in our initial conversation. I was really thinking about, do I do, um, do I go back to school and do therapy and counseling? Um, or do I do this other modality that's a little bit different? Um, that's more about forward momentum. And I've always been a go getter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've always been a boss where it was like, what's next? I want to accomplish it. I want to do the next thing. Um, and so coaching was just a beautiful fit for me, even though I don't, um, Coaching doesn't even define what I do. I think it's a label I can put on it. Right. Um, what I do is a, a more spiritual, a much more energetic. Uh-huh. So it's hard to hard to define it. But I've been so so honored and so grateful. And I have to say this too: in partnership with having really great therapists, have been able awesome. to move forward because it's not just one or the other. It's not just the light of the coaching. I think sometimes people really need that support of um, working with someone to really do some of that deeper shadow work. Yeah. mm -hmm. So do you kind of remind me when you said that you were like in the corporate world and you're 
you know, obtaining, attaining all of these labels and things and stuff like that. And I was listening to this podcast, one of my favorite, favorite guys ever. His name's Josh Corda, and he does a podcast um, called The Dharma Punks. Um, He is a Buddhist psychoanalyst. So he incorporates um, science with Buddhist philosophy. Yeah. And one of the things he mentioned in his podcast was about uh, how all of these, these things will, will leave us empty at the end of the day. And they're not, and that like, he kind of went into what real fulfillment is instead of like accomplishing all of these things. It was more just like, you know, I can't, honestly, I can't really remember right now, but do do you have, yeah, it's a, it's a values led life. Right. And so what we are really shown in the Western world is um, to do, to do something and to have something is the ultimate. It's like, you know, um, getting certificates, getting straight A's, getting yeah. honor roll, you know, being the best, going to track meet, like doing. It's the masculine. I work a lot with clients on masculine and feminine. Oh, the masculine is like what's glorified, which if we think about um, our bodies, um, we have kind of four bodies for today's conversation, which is your mind. Mm-hmm. Your mental body, your physical body, those are your more masculine characteristics. And then you have like the emotional and the spiritual body, which is the more feminine or the more yin characteristics. And um, when I say masculine and feminine, it's not about your sex. It's about right. the the um, the energy that's underneath. So other terms are like yin and yang, right. Shiva. Um, regardless of how you identify, everybody has those energies. And so Western world tells us do. So think and be physical. Mm-hmm. When the other elements of us, which is the feeling, how do I feel? Like, what's my mm-hmm. spirit telling me? Like, how am I connected? How am I connected to the my community um, in my relationships? It, it It's not even a religious denomination it's just saying spirituality is like what connects all of us so it's however that's defined to you and so yes in the in the corporate world in the western world we tend to focus on the masculine and we can see that through the patriarchy and so there's this movement for this more um yin this more healing restorative creative empathic part of us to come back and so with my work, it's been really cool that I work with women who are like me, who were, um, I say, stuck in their masculine and um, feeling rigid and controlling in so many areas of their life. Mm. And men that feel that same way that are like stuck in this thing, but they're not fully integrated. And so that's where the work that we do is so that people can feel more fully integrated in their masculine and their feminine energy in addition to recognizing what bodies they're putting energy in and then how to balance your bodies. Yeah. So it feels good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So with the masculine feminine aspects of each, each of us, um, what are like, why do you think some, why do you think the Western world has really kind of taken that uh, that outlook instead of incorporating this more yin? Uh, what is it? Is it yang? Yin, yin, yeah, yin energy. Um, oh gosh, that I mean, we could go like a million miles deep <laughs> with the, with yeah, that one. Sure. The beauty is what I know to be true is that um, in 2020, there's um, there was more feminine energy. It was a more yin year than any other. Um, and we can see that with the pandemic and how the slowdown mm-hmm. of the pandemic has caused all of us to 
take a shift back to recognizing our emotionality and (laughs) recognizing all this stuff. So there is a feminine energy that is coming back in, which is really beautiful. But I think the reason why it hasn't been embraced is because, um, well, I think femininity is, is, um, is, is not currently revered like it once has been. I think it's been villainized. I think women, um, there's a, a power that comes with being a woman. And um, I think much of that has been stripped um, to keep men in places of power. And I think a lot of it is sexual, like shaming women for their sexuality or um, shaming women for having desire or, um, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a construct of culture. I think it's a construct of religion. Um, but I'm happy to be shifting it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It always makes me wonder what the opposite, uh, would look like since we're heavily leaning towards more of the masculine side of things. What, you know, I kind of, I've been wondering this a lot recently, actually, like what society would look like if we were leaning more towards the feminine, because yeah. like each one, you know, too much of a good thing or too much of either is going yeah. to turn into something that is excess or bad in certain ways. So it, it just like, it, it makes me wonder what these like bad aspects and I put that in quotations because yeah. They're not really bad. They're just excessive. Well, I can talk a little bit to that too. Just like some of the, um, some of the reality that goes with feminine and masculine. Um, so for instance, we tend to feel like masculine can be defined as, um, you know, strong, uh, controlled, it is very linear, um, it's focused. Um, but some of the unbalanced aspects of the masculine are defensive, anxious, you know, commanding, narcissistic, mm-hmm. right? And then with the yin, the feminine, it's, it's creative. It's, um, it's more circular versus linear. Mm -hmm. Um, it's about flow and creativity and there's an openness, a receptivity and a radiance that comes with this feminine energy. But when it's in its shadow, when it's unbalanced, it can be, you know, needy or timid or, you know, desperate or, you know, have low self-esteem. So there's Mm -hmm. all of these ways that um, the masculine and the feminine play out in all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the, one of the tools that I use with clients is being able to assess, like, where do you see these characteristics in your life? Um, And how are these showing up? And then um, there's this concept called the double arrow, which is um, when something shows up and we're feeling a way about something, um, it, oftentimes we, there's a second arrow that's even more important. And the second arrow shows us like what is underneath of that. So underneath of judgment, like if I felt judged for something, um, and we'll, let's use terms of sexuality, right? If I felt terms in, judged in terms of a sexual situation with a partner, what under what's underneath of that, the double arrow is, if I'm feeling judged, then I might be critical of them, right? That might be the response. Absolutely. Um, or I might shut someone down and be like, I'm not open to this or, you know, I'm not receptive, um, But the thing that's underneath feeling judged is actually shame. Yeah. Right. And so if I I can look at my shame and and not make it about the other person, but make it about healing my wound, which is shame, if I can look at my past or it's not even it's not even always about looking at the past. It's just about, oh, I feel shame. And it's about being with yourself in that moment and recognizing, oh, shame's coming up, shame's coming up. 
And that's the thing versus the pointing of the finger at the other person for making us feel a certain way. Yeah, that's huge. Um, it's actually really interesting. My The current uh, course that I just went through with my schooling, one of the like lessons that we went through was using I language instead of you language. Yes. And... I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like I, you know, I really try to focus on um, owning how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was just really surprised that my, you know, my school, my teacher was emphasizing that. But what did it do for you? What did it do for you? Well, listening to it just kind of like reinforced it. And since I have a lot of practice in doing that, um, and like, I've even had people try to fight me on it before, which is weird because I'm owning my own stuff. And they're like, no, like this, they make you this situation. And I'm like, but that takes the power away from me. And I don't like that. Now I don't feel in control of, well, and I'm got everyone who knows me knows that I'm, I'm a control (laughs) freak. So I like to be in control of like what I'm feeling and stuff like that. So changing that language, I think is a huge, like first step into owning those, those feminine and masculine um, qualities and just back um, your own empowerment, right? It's really yeah. easy to, you know, point the finger or, you know, blame. And man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this or said this myself, which has been like, my insert current partner needs to go to therapy. Or if they only did this, if they only did that, right? Like, yeah. being like, man, we could really be in such a great relationship if they just got therapy. Yeah. So it's... And I am not saying that my partners haven't needed therapy. I think everybody needs a good therapist. And it's a really easy way to bypass your own responsibility and say they should be doing this. When the reality, if I really hold the mirror up is, well, if you want to be in a grown up relationship, then maybe you should choose someone who wants to have grown up emotions and you wouldn't want to date someone that hasn't done the work or whatever that looks like to me instead of blaming my partner. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And that's a really hard reality to come to. It is because listen, once you see yourself in the mirror, you can't unsee it. And so I, I recognize and I understand it's very easy to live in you and I'm not saying I'm past that in my life. I definitely still. Absolutely. Yeah. There's times when we do feel like something in a relationship, but it it's also about empowering ourselves to be like, well, then why am I in this space if I don't feel safe? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting that this got brought up too, because one of my friends who's been in a, relationship for well a friend of a friend um for like over 10 years now it's like all I hear from them is if he would just do this he doesn't want to listen to me um he 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 Mm -hmm. and it's like what do you say to someone well actually what I turned around and thought to myself was like, okay, instead of facilitating this kind of mm, unproductive conversation, I, I geared it more towards asking a question of like, okay, what are you looking for from me? Do you want comfort or do you want solutions? Because I'm pretty sure you know kind of what needs to happen here. But if you need comfort, then I get to decide whether I can facilitate that for you. Beautiful boundaries. That is exactly what I say. And I think also someone 
who regardless, I mean, I was like 16 year old, 16 years old and people were still like calling me with all of their insights. It's like, I've always been the advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, people have come to me for like the wisdom, um, my old soul. I don't know where, where it came from, but there's just part of me that is really about service and has good things to say. But also I've also recognized, especially, um, you know, the last several years as I've gone through the process of shifting careers, not everyone wants your advice. Right. Not everyone wants it. And so I do just that, Margo, where when someone is telling me something, I, I will ask, I'm like, what do you, what's most helpful for you right now? Yeah. Um, you know, do you just want me to listen? Um, I'm really never- a great way to and it's set a great a boundary and figure it out for them to think about it because, right. Um, my always, my response is going to be, I want to help you solve this problem. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> like I see the path. <laughs> well, sounds like a shitty boyfriend. Let's talk about the 10 ways that we can get from here to the finish line of like how you get this boyfriend done. Right. Yeah. Like, and I'm also about like, I want to empower you to make your own decision. Like I, this isn't me telling you, I think your boyfriend's crappy. It's just more of. You've told me 37 times that your yes, boyfriend's crappy. The same story. So, so yes, asking for clarity. And I think it helps them. It puts the, not the pressure, but it puts the responsibility on them of like, well, what are you looking for from this? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so you're shifting accountability. And I think that in and of itself, that energetic movement is really powerful for them to kind of get back in their own body and be like, oh, shoot. Um yeah, what do I want from this? Because right. oftentimes, especially women, this is our the beauty in us, and also can be, um, it also can be a detriment too. Is we want to talk, right? Like we like to talk it out, and the beauty that comes with talking it out is we actually process it, and there the correlation means that we don't hold emotion. Um, in the same way that men do, meaning our bodies are freer, we're more expressive, mm-hmm. we tend to be more limber. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have the density of the body. Men actually don't process emotion in the same way. And there's research that shows this is why they have more problems with their hearts, right? Like the energetic construction of, of that um, matched with um, you know, the denser nervous system, it's harder for men to feel things because they're literally just denser. <laughs> they just don't right. feel it as much as we do. So with our ability, women's ability to process, sometimes that means that we get to the answers a lot quicker than men do. Men don't get to the answer maybe until later after an emotional breakup or something where they have realizations because they haven't even processed it themselves versus mm-hmm. For us, we can get to solutions or we can also get stuck in something and just not move out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say that women and men process differently. And I was just reading uh, this book that talks about the how the female brain is actually smaller than the male brain. But parts of mm-hmm. our brains, uh, parts of the female brain Lights are up. larger than than parts in the male brain. And one of them is the part of the brain that processes emotion and we have a greater capacity. Yeah. 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 To process. Basically um, women were just way more efficient. Is is this story? I'm like, that's what I always say to my friend. I'm like, so yeah, I'm like, "Mm, we're pretty much the more evolved species. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. When you when you asked the question earlier about, you know, why I think women are where we are, I think that's why. Um, yeah. It is why. And, you know, if you look back, I, you, you might be really interested to kind of look at, like, goddess culture or mm-hmm. um, Egyptian. And when women were really, really revered. Right. Um, it was a different way of being. It was a different way of living. Um, and not that, uh, not that one is better or worse, but I think it's important to look at from a functional and integrative functional perspective. I do think that having more yin energy is 
needed. <laughs> yeah, well, it is needed. It's been so suppressed all these years. It's like, yeah, yeah, because we are a think do society. It's like think do, don't feel, just go, yes. just go, go, go. And, it, and it's really feel be, feel mm -hmm. be is the thing that we need. Mm -hmm. It's not just, and it's not just feel be only do this one part of you. It's right. actually, no, do all the parts, but do all the parts in a way that feel authentically aligned to you. And so I think that's what's, what I love so much about what I do is, you know, how Margot Underwood wants to show up in the world as a being is really different than how um, Antonio does down the street from you. And there isn't a right or a wrong in that. It's just about um, once we, you know, break down those barriers to recognizing how we really want to show up in the world, um, we turn into like nectar for everybody else that's around us. And it yeah. is um, a catalyst. It's such a, it's so cool to see how I can coach one person and see how they affect their whole crew. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah. That um, also, I mean, that reminded me about the um, kind of circling back. Uh, but when we're not being performative mm -hmm. for other people, like let's say we're in like a, a sexual, you know, there's some sexual tension between me and my new partner. And I'm feeling like he, you know, by his like nonverbal cues, I can tell he wants to like move things to the next level. And I don't want to be rejected. So I'm stepping into this more performative space and then creating distrust between my mind and my body, creating more anxiety. Um, but instead, if we like, like you, how you emphasize on boundaries, mm -hmm. um, it kind of allows that anxiety to dissolve. You, yes. you know, you're vulnerable with that person. You're setting a boundary. You're trusting your body. Um, I just find it all really fascinating. That's the yin and the yang coming yeah. together. Even the nature, I think it's so beautiful that you said the performative, right? And what is oftentimes expected of women in society and culture and sexual scenarios or, or wherever is right. that a woman is something that does something for other people, or she does something to elicit something, um, a woman is of a certain way and that is what turns you on or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's actually not true. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, that is true. And that's not the purpose, you know, of a woman. So in that situation too, another thing that can be done if like, um, you know, the, the nervousness, but not wanting your partner to approach you, but wanting to approach them kind of not really knowing one thing that can be done. is just like bringing pleasure to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and not even sexually, just like energetically, like how can you feel better in your own body, in your own feminine essence? Because when you can, um, pun intended, turn that on, right? it's like that naturally gets turned on in your partner too. And it's not for your True. partner. It's more so of your own, your own doing. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. It's like, like you said, you become the nectar for people. Yes. When you show them that authenticity, yeah. you're encouraging them to do the same. Right. Yes. And it's yes. kind of scary at first. It's like, it's oh, super scary. I have to be honest with myself. That's, yeah. uh, and <laughs> that's a I new one. <laughs> Yeah, I think the beauty of that too is it's like, um, you, you you can do that in your own space too. It's like getting the familiarity and, and building the capacity in your own practice too before maybe you want to open that up to somebody else. Um, so building the own capacity in your in your own practice too, but it is super scary to mm -hmm. share any any. Um, desire. And I, I, I love this term it's from the boardroom to the bedroom, right? It doesn't matter. It's like, mm -hmm. it's kind of scary to like share, this is my idea, or this is my thing. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I step into that space with, 
I mean, and then, you know, being honest about it, like, Hey, I'm a little, um, nervous to say this right now. Yes. And then it just, that performative state goes away. I'll have to be confident in this. Like, it's okay to just be human. Yes. Just saying, I'm not sure how I'm going to communicate this, or I don't, I'm not sure how I'm going to say this or how this might come out. Um, and that also, um, I think that we say that for them, but we also say that for us. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I always, I'm like, what's going to, how are you going to feel more confident in expressing that? And it's not, and when we think performance, that is again about somebody else. But mm-hmm. when we think of intimacy, it's like, how do I want to communicate this thing about how I feel in relation to this other person? Mm-hmm. So it's thinking about emotion from the sense of, I feel this, which means this, and what does that mean to them? Mm-hmm. And so just thinking of it a little bit more, um, you know, linear, mm-hmm. <laughs> putting it into a system, it makes that cycle a little bit easier. Clearer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, since your kind of your goal here with your clients is to create more intimacy and get away from that performative um, way of life. You say some of, you can practice this on your own at home. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for our listeners who don't really have access to um, a energy alchemist and soulful alignment coach, <laughs> what kind of practices would they, you know, be able to just grab onto at home and um, start the whole process of gaining that more intimate um, relationship with themselves and, and those around them? Yeah, I would say start small. Um, there's uh, a teacher that I really love, and I and her name's Michaela Baum, and I just heard her this last week, and she was talking about um, sacred space, meditation, and it's it's the same thing that every that everybody else is saying, right? It's like taking a little bit of time for yourself, and I want to give context into what that can look like, um, what that practice can be. But I would say um, take, you know, three minutes a day that you have on your calendar and uh, make it regular, try to make it the same time. And it could be in the morning if you want. It could be midway through your day. It could be before you go to sleep, whenever it is. And the point of this three minutes is, to check in with yourself, Mm -hmm. like put everything else away and get present with just your breath and ask questions like, how are you today, Margo? Yeah. What do you need right now? Yeah. And, and I say, how are you really? So how are you? Is that I'm fine. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm okay. And then it's the, how are you really? Mm Mm-hmm where that's that second arrow where it's like, I'm fine, but you know, I'm really struggling with the, butt. yeah, Yeah. whatever else, right? Like the real, the real, real. So getting to the real, real, go ahead. Yeah. I would say get, so you basically, this is like a seed, like this three minutes is like the seed of you. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you are feeling disconnected in your life, the only way to feel connected is to connect with self. And I'm always about do it practical, do it small. Maybe it's one minute. Maybe you just start with how are you? And that's, and then drinking a glass of water and that's how it is. But it's building that um, asana, that life asana of how am I going to treat myself today? And so um I'll give an example. My favorite, and I still do this to this day, Fridays after my corporate job, it would be like, I'd get home from the week and I would just take a long pampered shower where it was, you know, the fancy shampoo and conditioner, the exfoliator, I'd shave my legs, you know, where you really like wash the week off. Mm -hmm. And that would be like how I would set my energetic tone moving into my weekend. 
So it could be one energetic practice a week that just helps you kind of snap into a different way of being. But I think it's really important to do it daily too, because there can be days when there's days where we just let ourselves go and we don't even check in. And mm -hmm. I think that um, it's not serving. It serves no one. If you aren't connected with yourself, you can, you cannot connect with anybody else fully, richly, deeply, intimately at all. You're just passing people, bumping into them, having interactions. Um, and I think people are really getting to the place in life where everything that we could possibly desire is available at a snap of a finger. Mm -hmm. You know, I can get a car delivered. I can get McDonald's delivered. I can, you can get whatever you want without thought. And so to actually slow down and check in with ourselves isn't easy. It's not, um, it's, it might not be the fun thing to do, but it's the realest thing that people can do. And people want more connection. Like they are, people are desperately like wanting more, um, in their lives because they're, they're tired of the shallow shit. <laughs> and they're looking for that, that connection with themselves, right? It's yes. like soul tie, especially if you've been in a relationship for like 10 or 15 years, um, you tend to like lose sight of who you were before you got into that relationship. Yeah, and I think it can be, I think that sometimes sitting down and like doing your breath work and stuff is just really hard for some people. And it can be performative sometimes. Um, I just remember like the last relationship I got out of like three or four years ago, um, I, every morning, the only, like the only time I would really spend away from my partner, it was when I was driving to work mm -hmm. and he and I, we didn't like the same music. So when I finally got my own car, I was like, it's been a few years. I'm going to put on my playlist from back when, because this is what I want to do mm -hmm. and no one else can tell me no. Yes. And it actually like spurred my breakup with him was just like, I got back into that music. I felt confident again. And I was like, why did I stop more. loving this side of myself? Like, yes. because someone told me that they didn't like it. Like, that's not a good enough reason for me. I think yeah. that's a beautiful example of boundaries too in relationships that so many times in relationship, people think about sameness where it's like, you're drawn to someone who um, is your imago, like the blend of your parents, good and bad, all the things that they are in that thing. But a lot of times we're drawn to something that's so similar, right? And yeah, because um, chemistry, we're supposed to be well, you know. when they're with similarity, there actually isn't chemistry. And that's what ends up happening in relationships is you end up just writing this plane where there's no polarity. And you're just like, uh -huh. we're just here. And you're both kind of turned into the same damn person. And there's uh -huh. really no spark. But at the beginning of the relationship, there was, there might have been spark. And so the polarity, the difference in relationship is actually something that needs to be celebrated Absolutely. and couples aren't um, taught that growing up. Like it's, it's like saying this when it's actually preserving and protecting privacy and interests and even relationships that people have so that they can continue to operate as them. I want that for my partner and I want them to want that for me because, um, uh, a relationship in my mindset isn't to become one it's to become three mm -hmm. it's you come in the partner comes in so there's those two people and then the relationship is the third yeah that's absolutely there's this this entity that you're creating yeah and it's got active. a great and it's, it's active it's actively mm -hmm. created it's not something that's like i mean it can be passive it can be like well let's just do what our parents did mm -hmm. or it creates, or we have an opportunity to create conversations about how we want to consciously be in partnership mm -hmm. because what our partnership looks like 
today at, you know, 35 might be really different than what it might, what we might want it to look like when we're 55. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just want to throw this in really quick is the, the, um, visual of a temple with two columns separate, but strong holding up this, this roof that they don't even, they can't see it. They don't know what it is really. They just know that it needs to be there and they need to be completely separate to be holding it. I always loved that um, metaphor. That's so beautiful. And in Jewish tradition, I know that they carry something over the bride and the groom. I'm trying to, that's cool. I it's, I see it written out, but I don't want to slaughter it and say it, but it's just so it's this beautiful symbolism of these things on underneath the provision of this other thing, which is the relationship. It's Mm just really, um, yeah. And I think in my past relationships, I, I, um, fused into the relationship, um, more than what I really wanted to, right. Where you lost parts of yourself. And I think for me, the pain in leaving my relationship, of course, there was pain in leaving a person that you were with for so long. But I think the real pain for me was the recognition of all of the times that I had self-denied, where I had abandoned mm-hmm. myself um, to preserve the relationship. And so that was the the true heartbreak for me. Yeah. To help of people sacrifice themselves less and not that, you know, I think that we, there's still times when, um, we might make an accommodation in a relationship, but it doesn't mean that we have to leave ourselves on the table as an exchange. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, really heavy feeling. It's suffocating when you're not, being your authentic self in a relationship. And yeah, it's very sacrificial. Because yeah, I don't know. You, I, I was going to say, how do you feel like for you, you've seen your relationships evolve over the last several years? Yeah. It's been really, it's obviously still a growing process. <laughs> But, um, I 100% do like at the beginning, I, so my last long-term relationship was two years, two years long, but it was about three years ago. And it, that was, we basically like melted. We became kind of like the same person because that's Mm -hmm. what we both thought, you know, we needed to do to survive the relationship. And yeah, it got really boring. And um, now when I approach relationships, I revel in the differences. And mm-hmm. I've I've come across this research about, you know, the, the myth of chemistry and how like you really only need like one or two things in common. Like you both like to cook and you both like to go on walks. Cool. Everything else is a, is a learning process. And yeah, you you know, you want to like essentially be that person's cheerleader and cheer them on, support them. So that viewpoint has definitely changed. And I've definitely been good about setting boundaries at the beginning of a relationship, but where am I down at? Like, give me an example, like, give me an example of setting boundaries. Like what that means to you. Well, I personally, like I act, I'm a very like submissive counterpart. I want to be a submissive counterpart in my relationship, not when it comes to my professional life or my social life, but in the intimate parts of our life, I want to express submissive energy. And I phrase that another way. And you tell me if it sounds accurate that you want to be led, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, well, because I'm coming from like a um, a BDSM standpoint yeah. mm-hmm. where there is a power exchange happening. Mm-hmm. And so when I say submissive, it's more like I want to be able to, yeah, hand over control to someone else in mm-hmm. um, the bedroom and 
allow them to, to take control because that maybe that's what they want to do. And because I am just freaking tired of making the decisions, mm-hmm. you know? So, and sometimes because of that, I will tend to rush into things emotionally. Mm-hmm. So one of the boundaries that I'll set when I first get into a relationship is like, look, I need you to be um, like hyper aware of your emotions towards me and, and I, you know, and then vice versa. And I'm going to be honest with you, but like for now, I really only have this much time to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like, I kind of like this idea of like a 30, 60, 90 day, um, trial for a relationship <laughs> and like setting out like goals for each other and non-negotiable things, things that are negotiable. Um, so that I, it's, per- it's for me well, so it's like that I don't that. end up like rushing like, into something yeah. and like, and then because, and I do that because I am so avoidant when it comes to true intimacy Um, I feel like it's fake when someone is showing that they like me. So especially early on in the relationship. So I want that, like, I need to build trust with that person over a certain amount of time before I can actually like truly accept their feelings towards me. So yeah, as always, it takes me like 25 minutes to explain something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's kind of like I've well, noticed that, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big something it's it is a it's huge something. so yeah. don't don't ever apologize for it and I what is beautiful about what you're saying is it really puts a structure in terms of thinking about things in a little bit more of like a contract right mm-hmm. like not a it's, not, it's this is the beauty of boundaries is it's not about when I first started my work with boundaries, it's like, you do this and I do that. Like, it's like you stay in your place and I stay in mine. And it's really not that it's boundaries. My favorite way to describe it is it's like a house, right? And so the house has windows and doors. There might be a fence. There's a door on the fence. There's a screen door. So depending on the person, it's like you might open the doors and windows and screens and whatever accordingly, but you never have to invite somebody into your home if that doesn't feel good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, recognizing where your time, you know, you're thinking about your body, um, you're thinking about your emotional energy and even the spiritual component of like, I'm not sure if I trust this person, right? Like I need a little mm-hmm. bit more time. So it's amazing that, um, your work with BDSM has kind of given you this framework and how to really think about um, negotiables in mm-hmm. a relationship and figuring out what's important. Mm-hmm. And I think so many women um, um, and men too come to those conversations from a really more of a performative perspective and they don't really think about their own vested interests. Yeah. And what they have, what they're contributing to the relationship, like what mm-hmm. they're, um, what you can offer. What, yeah, what your gifts are. Yeah. Especially at the beginning, it's like, and you, and it forces you to like think about it too. I mean, it was hard. I had to sit down. I mean, it took me like a, a couple hours and, and revising and all this stuff to like actually f- like think about what I can offer what was non-negotiable, what, what things were negotiable, but that I wanted, um, and what that negotiation process looked like. And then what's so beautiful about that, what you're saying too, is it took you a couple of hours, but think of all the time that it saves you. Yeah, absolutely. All the, um, heartache or drama or whatever else that if you didn't do that for a couple of hours, what months or years of a relationship can look like. And so, yes, it's hard to think about those. Yes. It's hard to like develop those new Mm -hmm. neurological pathways, but it's the most 
some of the most beneficial and impactful work that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm sure it definitely creates more intimacy within myself because I'm honoring, you know, what I need and listening to myself. Um, and instead of stepping into a relationship and, you know, flying by the seat of my pants and going with the flow and all this <laughs> crap that people throw at me, they're like, oh, you're sucking the fun out of the relationship. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, we can still go with the flow and do all this stuff. But like, I, this is just like that too. It's always interesting. The people that say that, Oh, you're taking the fun out of the relationship. And it's always like, well, define the fun. And for them defining, it just means putting any structure or any accountability or any, anything on the relationship. So through the work with boundaries, you're way easier to just weed people out right from the start that are like, not absolutely. Yeah, I, I've gone through so, yeah, so many, like, <laughs> maybe like one week to four week relationships that are just like, okay, well, we tried it. It's not working for either of us. So let's just, you know, shake hands and, and go our separate ways. No hard feelings. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you, you just mentioned the word accountable. Um, and I noticed that you on your website mentioned accountability partners. So I'm curious, like what kind of importance you, um, relay to your clients on like, on how they find an accountability partner. How do you bring that up with someone? How do you be accountable to yourself? Good question. So I, um, Oh, this is such a good question. So the way I looked at accountability a couple of years ago and how I look at accountability now is really different. So I used to look at it as when you say you're going to do something or when you're in integrity, if you say you're going to do something, you do it. And I don't, I, I think it depends on the thing, but I don't Mm -hmm. like absolutes. So what I work Mm -hmm. on, I think accountability is important. Um, having time sets or people or projects or systems or whatever it looks like so that you can um, stay on course. But I don't love rigidity. So I think accountability, but without the rigidity that goes with it. And so there might be a project that I take on or a client takes on and they think it's a great idea and they get moving on it. And then all of a sudden you recognize like, wait, what am I doing? Like, do I, it's no longer aligned with what you really want to do or something else came up or you had a death in the family or you get, God forbid you get Corona, whatever the thing is, things happen in life that take us off course. So I think it's about recognizing, um, putting structure in place so that you can be accountable, but then also understanding stuff comes up. Yeah. That makes sense. Forgiveness. Yes. Because what happens sometimes is um, you can get in a shame cycle where it's like, shit, I didn't do that thing. And then it's like the feeling bad about the feeling bad about the not doing. And then four weeks later, you're still um, worrying yourself about these emails from two months ago that you haven't responded to. When those, I promise you, those emails are not important. And so sometimes it's about just cutting the old energy. And I do that a lot with clients where it's like, if someone's feeling overwhelmed by stuff, we'll just like look at what's on their table. And then they recognize that there's things that actually really aren't on their table once they eliminate that. And it just gives so much more room to something else. Um, So making sure that shame isn't a part of that, where it's more about, um, if a project didn't get done, understanding why, was it about a choice? Was it about limited resources? Was it about limited finances? And then defining it in those terms versus I'm a terrible person because I didn't get this thing done. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's a great way to kind of end this conversation is like with forgiveness and like, well, this this whole thought process really... I just loved having this conversation with you. It kind of went a different direction, but 
all really important things that um, we can incorporate into all of our relationships, whether they be intimate or professional or so um, to go ahead and and share uh, your website and your socials or whatever, in case someone wanted to get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. So my, um, my website's joywithjax.com, J-O-Y with J-A-X. And same with my Instagram handle. You can get, I have tons of resources um, on both of those platforms. I do video content, a lot of blogging. So if the message today resonated, you'll find tons more juice Mm-hmm. <laughs> between those two ways. Um, or you could send me an email to um, Jacqueline at Joy with Jax. But I such a good conversation, Margo. I'm so That's happy awesome. you had this podcast and um, are sharing with people about um, who you are and what you're about and giving people some amazing tools and resources. Hopefully I can convince you to do a short guided meditation one of these days. Um, and so I would love to, yeah. So maybe tell our listeners about what that guided meditation might look like. Yeah. So I, um, I'll provide something. I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I also do Reiki practicing, which is like a, that's like a healing energy practice. Um, so I will do something that's very grounding. Um, we'll work on like our lower chakras, which I know we didn't talk about today, but our rootedness. We can probably bring that up in the, in the neck and before the meditation, kind of like some chakra work. Cause I'm sure people don't really. I'll work through the chakras and basically really work on the, uh, your ability to feel rooted in your own being. And then the second chakra, which is all about creativity. It's also your pleasure center. Um, those are our most primal and basic needs is mm-hmm. to feel safe and to feel pleasure and to feel good. And so we'll work with those energies and how you can express those in a more authentic way. Awesome. I look forward to it. Me too, Margo. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Of course. Thanks for taking the time. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Jacqueline. We have a part two coming up and it is going to be a meditation on aligning our chakras. And I've got to tell you, this was such a transformative meditation for me. I'd never done one like this before. And you guys are going to have to tune in to figure out all the juicy details. But for now, thanks for listening. I hope to see you guys next time. Music is Face In It by Fallen for Autumn on Instagram. F-A-L-L-E-N-F-O-R-A-U-T-U-M-N. Go check her out and give her some love. Let's get it. Now you wrap your hands around my waist and bury your face.